Stop it. Stop going at my favorite female wrestler. She's a beautiful queen. She's not gonna fuck you. challenge this week for hot tags and headbanging kind of just thought of it because obviously if some of you have listened you've noticed that almost 10 15 minutes into the episode i start going you know switching my nose around and that's because for some reason every time i start recording these episodes my nose gets stuffed up and i'm like oh my god what's going on and right before recording never happens that way so let's do a challenge let's see let's take some bets Maybe down in the comments or something. Who, I mean, if you've already seen this or listened to this, but I don't know. Let's take some bets maybe for next week. How long is it going to take for me to start? And I'm going to try to take it down, actually. Uh, take down the instances when I do that, because I know it's really distracting. Even for me listening back to the show, I'm like, oh my gosh, Kyle, stop. Like, what the hell are you doing, Ash? But anyway, welcome to another edition of Hot Tags and Headbanging. We're back here in the studio I guess, which is just a random living room. Last week, of course, we did the on-the-road edition of it. And uh, so, oh, there it was. I did it. Oh, my gosh, we're only, like, maybe a minute or two, and my nose is already getting in the way. So, anyway. So, we had the WrestleMania, um, I guess, the um, aftermath this week. And I actually had recorded a video of me talking about WrestleMania. And honestly, I was going to post it, but then it got later. I fell asleep. And then I just thought, well, at this point, Raw has already aired. And honestly, there's no reason for me to to release the video because it's outdated now. That's kind of the tough part about WrestleMania. And then having Raw the next night is that, you know, you don't know. Yeah, who who cares after Raw, you know? And well, so I'm gonna talk about WrestleMania really quick. Let's just let's just do a little a fun little recap, a very rapid fire recap of WrestleMania. Uh, you had the WWE Championship match, Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. It was actually a pretty good match. And by the way, my night one predictions were all correct, every single one of them. I'm very proud of that. Uh, night two, I still didn't look back, and I don't remember some of my predictions, but I was pretty good there too. Uh, but Lashley retained, and that was a good decision. Bad Bunny won against Miz and Morrison. It was actually a pretty fun match. Um, actually ended up being a highlight of the show. On um, the, what was it, the New Day, they lost their tag team championships. Um, fun match again. I was actually really surprised that they ended the match the way they did, having almost pretty much squash the two and then step on Kofi Kingston to to give the pin. Um, Now, you might be thinking, why wouldn't you expect that? That actually makes sense. That's why I didn't expect it, because it does make sense. And WWE sometimes just does things that don't make sense. But the fact that in this match, especially with the New Day, a very popular team, I wasn't sure if they wanted them to look like that. But, you know, maybe there's some kind of redemption story uh, coming up. So pretty cool. I liked that match. Night one actually turned out 
better than what I thought. And the night two, which I thought was going to be the better night, was eh. You know, I mean, the whole show was still eh. But in terms of expectations, it was like everything flipped. Uh, Braun Strowman beat Shane McMahon. It was actually kind of fun. Like I said, night one was okay, whatever. Uh, Cesaro and Seth Rollins, I didn't give a shit. Who cares? Moving on. Um, the tag team turmoil, that doesn't even matter at this point. Um, women's tag team, uh, oh, well, they, they, this, this article I'm looking at got the, got the name of the match wrong. Anyway, the main event of night one was Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Yes, they had them main event. It was okay. It was a decent main event match, but you know, apparently it was supposed to be this groundbreaking thing. And it was in terms of if you want to look at it from a race perspective and female perspective. But guys, the world didn't change for the, you know, for what I'm seeing, the world doesn't look any different. Whatever. It was a fine match. Bianca won. And that's what should have happened. Uh, Rhea Ripley beat Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Yay. Boring storyline there. And then, oh yeah, The Fiend and Randy Orton start off the night. And the match itself oof, was rough. But the story was more important than the match. But even the way we got this payoff for the story, they just don't know how to book The Fiend. They've ruined him again. They ruined The Fiend again. I don't know what, I just don't get it. And usually, I would say we need to see how this plays out. But with WWE, there's so many times that we're waiting for something to play out, and then it never plays out. I I don't trust this fucking place anymore. I don't trust them anymore to tell good long-term storylines. So, there's that. And The Fiend, um, yeah, Randy Orton won. Uh, Biggie Langs, Biggie versus Apollo Cruz. I'm glad they gave Apollo Cruz the title. The way it happened, uh, you know, they had the drums and they didn't really use the drums. And I'm like, well, then what's the point of a drum fight? I didn't get that. Um, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens beat Sami Zayn and Logan Paul. Uh, the one thing I was wrong about was I thought Logan Paul was gonna turn on Sami and help Kevin Owens win, but that wasn't the case. Um, so cool beans. Um, Kevin Owens needs to stop using the stunner so much. You know, they, they, with Logan Paul, they did that spot where it's the stone cold spot. Stone cold gets in the ring with someone celebrates with them. And then he gives him the stunner. Kevin Owens, honestly, dude. And I know stone cold Steve Austin is okay with it, but it, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit at all for him. I don't want to see it anymore from, I mean, in special occasions, I think he should whip it out kind of like, uh, <laughs> sounded funny in, in special occasions, he should whip it out. <laughs> um, like Seth Rollins with the pedigree. Okay. He'll use the pedigree in special situations. That's kind of how Kevin Owens should do the, the, uh, stunner. Uh, Sheamus won the United States championship from Riddle. It was what it was. Uh, Shayna and Nia Jax retain. Uh, guys, you can tell this is just a lot of filler. The main event match with Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan was pretty good. It just it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. It actually kind of underperformed in a weird way. And Reigns retained as he should have. 
So there you go. That's that. That's my thoughts on WrestleMania. Very short, you know. And I have to start off, we have to start off with the WWE releases. This is the biggest story right now. And as I am recording this right now on a Friday morning, afternoon-ish, um, there's probably going to be more. This whole thing is, there's totally going to be more releases. But as of this point, let's talk about the names that have been announced so far. First of all, you have Samoa Joe. And these are not in order of how they were released. This is just the list I'm looking at. Samoa Joe, okay, he was doing commentary, wasn't doing much. And I know so many people were like, oh man, he he's not on commentary anymore. That must mean he's going to come back to the ring. We're hearing rumors of him coming back to the ring. Well, he's not coming back to the ring in, in WWE. Okay. And also, I find it funny that this is happening. And I was literally just about to do my yearly state of the WWE thing where I go through the roster and I pretty much go through and say, this person's got to go. This person's got to go. All of that. So, um, Samoa Joe, <clears throat> I, they weren't going to use him. They weren't going to. So him being gone, I don't think is such a big surprise. Um, Billy Kay was a big surprise to me because Billy Kay was recently featured and she was getting quite a bit of TV time there for a while. You could tell, though, that she was in a position where they didn't know what to do with her. They were just kind of throwing her out there, but she had a, a legitimate character. And so, honestly, I liked it. And, you know, she's a good looking woman, too. Um so I thought, okay, maybe she'll stick around. Maybe they'll keep her, but they didn't. And then with that, I thought, well, if you're going to release Billy Kay, it's going to be really weird if you don't release Peyton Royce. Well, they released Peyton Royce later in the day, um, which was interesting <laughs> to say the least. And, you know, hey, Peyton Royce, she was on, what was that? Raw Talk, SmackDown Talk, whatever, talking Smack, whatever. And she's like, I want a title match. I deserve an opportunity. Well, now you're fired. And I don't wish firing on anybody. I know what it's like to lose a job, but I mean, and I'll, I'll get more into that. Uh, Mickey James got released, which once again, they weren't using her, you know, uh, Chelsea green from NXT. Uh, she's actually good friends with, uh, Britt Baker apparently. So maybe she goes to AEW, who knows, but she's also dating Matt Cardona, uh, uh, more well-known as Zack Ryder, who is in Impact. So maybe she goes there, although that's a terrible... Pl Why would anyone want to go to Impact? I don't understand that. Why would anyone want to go wrestle in Impact? It, no one cares. No one's watching that shit. I don't get it. Um, Tucker, come on. You had to get rid of him. I mean, Kalisto... Well, I'm sorry. These guys weren't doing anything. Bo Dallas wasn't doing anything. Mojo Raleigh, I thought they could have done something with. I think they dropped the ball with him, but he's gone. And Wesley Blake. And then there's probably going to be more as, as we go on. But here's what I really want to talk about with this. And I talked about this last year um, when they did the big one because of COVID, the big COVID budget cuts. And I'm going to say the same thing I said last year. Because you have all these people on social media. <laughs> I mean, they're acting like they're acting like this is personal. They're acting like their own family members have lost their jobs. They're, that's how they're acting. Oh my god, my favorite wrestler lost their job today. Like, is that what they're saying to their like they you know these these people probably live in their mom's basement. 
or something like that, or live with their parents. Although, honestly, I don't want to make fun of that too much because, look, a lot of people in this pandemic have had to move home um, because things happened. I'll admit it. I'm living with my parents right now. I'm going to be really honest. I'm not ashamed of it because, honestly, it's a lot more common than what you would think with this whole pandemic, and I've been affected too. But I'm talking about the people that have just, they never amounted to anything. You know what I mean? I'm talking about these people that have probably been there for years. Okay, that's what I'm going at. Um, but yeah, probably these people, they only come home and their mom sees them crying. <laughs> Honey, what's wrong? <laughs> My favorite wrestler got released. Like, what kind of life are you leading where you're like, oh, like, <laughs> I don't get it, guys. I don't understand it. Guys, Let I, I want to say this right off the bat. If you're one of those people that's like, WWE is so terrible for doing this. First of all, why are you spending so much time defending these wrestlers? They don't pay your bills. Pretty sure they're not putting a roof over your head. They probably don't even know that you exist. Literally, unless you've actually met them. But then again, even if you've actually met them, they probably don't remember you. I'm sorry. This this is just how it is. They meet tons of people every day. They do not remember you unless you did something really creepy or crazy. One of the two. Or unless you, or, you know, maybe you did a painting for them and you handed it to them and they might remember your face a little bit. Guys, it happens. You know, people are so uh, angry at WWE for making these cuts and I understand because obviously um, the Peacock deal, they made a billion dollars off of it. And yeah, they made some money. But guys, at the end of the day, why would any company want to pay people that are not on the show? They're not doing anything. They're not being utilized. They're not offering anything necessarily on the actual shows. There's They're not even a part of much content. Now, Billy Kay is a different case and Peyton Royce is too. But there's some people on this list that I just said that weren't doing, and Samoa Joe. Um, but there's a couple people there that, you know, they were sitting and catering. They're getting paid to to not do much. Why would you want, why would you want to do that? I'm telling you what, I know a lot of companies, including the one I work for, if I was sitting there doing nothing and not con- contributing, uh, and, and, you know, I wasn't making a, an impact, I'd get let go. It's what happens. I don't know what world these people live in. I mean, yes, behind the scenes, these wrestlers definitely do a lot and they work hard. There's no doubt about it. But guys, at the end of the day, got to get rid of some people. It happens. I don't understand. And people lose their jobs all the time. I lost my job earlier this year. Um, My former job. I have a new job now. Um, But uh, it's like. I just don't understand the mindset with some people. They just think this, oh, how could you do that to them? Guys, it's budget cuts. It happens. I can't imagine any, I can't imagine any any company out there that'd be okay with having employees that they don't even really use or that don't offer anything. It's just stupid. But these people spend so much time getting so butthurt over their favorite wrestler getting released. Guys, what about your life? Like, do you have a job? You know, do you have friends or, or, or are you having troubles with finances or your relationships? Is there a trade you can learn? Something like worry about your own life for fuck's sake. These people don't give a shit about you. And I'm sorry, all you guys that 
go online and simp over Sasha Banks and defend her, she's not gonna fuck you. Shut up. She doesn't give a fucking shit about you. Seriously, all these women, oh, they defend the women all the time and they, they, you know, they go online and they're like, no, stop going at this person. They're, stop it. Stop going at my favorite female wrestler. She's a beautiful queen. She's not gonna fuck you. Leave it be. Jesus, go get laid somewhere else. I don't get that. Simp culture now. Anyway, that, that's a whole different topic. Um, Guys, this kind of stuff happens all the time. And WWE's been doing it for years. Yes, you know, it's it's kind of reached a pinnacle in some ways because of the times. Now, last year, it was a little bit more um, acceptable, I guess, because of everything going on. I don't know how else to explain it to people. These These people must live in this fantasy world where they think everyone is just entitled to be at the same job or I don't know. These people that complain about this shit, they must have never had a job before. Because really, how could you have ever worked somewhere and not understand that, look, sometimes you need, there's budget cuts, you know, especially with the push for, you know, oh, got to raise the minimum wage. I'm not going to get into politics, but, you know, especially with this push, you raise wages. These companies aren't going to be able to pay their employees. So, well, we got to get rid of some. And I know that's not really the case here, probably. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at some of these people that aren't doing much. They're in catering, all of it. And then you go into Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross lately has been on social interviews, social media, whatever. You know, she says, oh, oh I, you know, uh, you know, I'm not even going to. Well, she said that I was going to do an impression of Nikki Cross. The only thing I can think of is that promo she cut against Becky Lynch. Remember that? She's like, Becky, I'll play with you, Becky. Let's play. I only wanted to wrestle my whole life. That sounded more like Rey Mysterio. Anyway, she's been saying about how her whole life, you know, she didn't want to sit in catering. She She's not wrestling. Honey, you're getting paid to not wrestle. You're getting paid a decent amount of money. You're making a decent living off of not being on the show. I know you want you want more. I just don't understand how people... Dude, I wish I could do nothing at my job and get paid. Hell yeah! I've had, jo- I've had some jobs like that where I didn't have to do as much all the time. And I got paid. It was great. Like, I don't understand these people. I mean, and I'm not a lazy person. I like working for things and I like getting better at my job and all of that, getting better in my career. I'm all about that. But you can still do that and not be on the show. And and honestly, maybe they just, they just don't see much with you right now. And as I'm recording this, I don't know. It's very likely that Nikki Cross got released uh, by now. I can't look it up right now. I mean, I could I could do that live while I'm while I'm on here you know, to see if there's any updates with the releases, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not seeing anything right now. Um, whatever, but regardless, like by the time I release this, there could be more releases and maybe Nikki Cross is one of them. And it's just like, you know, guys stop complaining. Titus O'Neil, look at a guy like Titus O'Neil. He hasn't been on the show in years. Now he does a lot behind the scenes. So that's one of the main reasons that, um, 
it's one of the main reasons he probably still there is because he's a good ambassador. And Titus O'Neil, I think, is a is a model human being. I think he's great. I thought he could have been a decent performer. He just needed some work. But then that whole incident where he, you know, the biggest Royal Rumble or whatever it was called, he fell and almost hurt himself big time. That doomed him. That doomed him forever. He was probably doomed before then, but that really did it. Like, that was really the moment where he was like, yeah, you're screwed, dude. Um, but he, but you know, maybe some of these wrestlers, they should find a way to become like that. And maybe they are doing it and they're not getting the recognition. I don't know. But at the end of the day, this stuff happens guys. And it's life. Life is not all that pretty guys. I know that what you see in entertainment and and even in the news sometimes, or, or just on, you know, on these entertainment news, I should say, like these entertainment news programs. And it seems all glamorous and stuff, but guys, it really is not as glamorous as what you think it is. It, it's like when you look at reality, when the reality sets in, it's life. I don't know how else to explain it to guys. I, I really don't know. Um, but, but yeah, uh, other people that I could see getting released you get on the topic because my, my, you know, my best friend, he's really into Liv Morgan and he was worried about maybe her getting released. I don't think she's going to get released. The one person I do think could be on the chopping block is Ruby Riot. I don't know. She's lost stock. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, other people that get released, I, you know, I can't think of many off the top of my head. I mean, there could be some NXT guys. I mean, shit, there's, they could cut the fat there. Um, but I really don't know what to say about this. I just, I'm disappointed at these wrestling fans. I'm disappointed at wrestling fans in general. They're, they're so irrational. Like guys, like I, I feel like these people actually think that Vince McMahon sits there and is like, yeah. I'm excited. I get to fire people today. Yeah. Like, that's not how it is, guys. It's it's business at the end of the day. Now, granted, there are plenty of bosses out there and supervisors that there is that element of like they would rather fire you before you quit or something like that because it's a power trip. You ever see the movie Waiting where Justin Long's character goes in to quit the job and he quits and the boss doesn't seem to understand why you're leaving. And he just explains some things and they get into a fight and the boss says, you know what? You're fired. And he goes, well, I already quit. So no, 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 no. I write the books around here. Here's how it happened. You came in, uh, you're fired. Like that's how some bosses are at the end of the day. Cause they want the power trip. They want the narrative to be, I fired you. I did it to you. Um, I don't think that's the case here. But <laughs> just Vince McMahon, I can imagine Vince, uh, uh, let's say Peyton Royce walks in there. Peyton Royce walks in there. I wanted a title shot and I didn't get it. So I'm going to quit. And Billy Kay's coming with me. And Vince goes, oh, well, that's, that's a real shame. Uh, you're fired. Well, I already quit. No, I'm Vince McMahon. Damn it. I write the books. Here's how it happened. You walked in, you're fired. Ow, that hurt my throat a little bit. Well, <laughs> I can imagine it happening. <laughs> Maybe Shane McMahon will get fired. 
I mean, it's obvious that Shane is kind of like the the less thought about sibling in that relationship. Because I remember when Stephanie when Stephanie McMahon's birthday came up the one time on Twitter, Vince posted this big thing. Oh, I love my daughter, you know. And then for Shane, happy birthday. <laughs> Anyway, guys, let's 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 get into the actual product this week. Uh, I won't talk about SmackDown because it hasn't happened yet at the time of this recording. I would love to get this out before SmackDown, but I can't promise anything. Um, Monday Night Raw, the Raw after WrestleMania, happened this week, and here's my review of it. You ready for this, guys? It sucked. That's it. Moving on. But there are a couple things from Raw that I that I noticed because I did check it out. Um. Rhea Ripley. Like, to me, they already fucked her up. She's cutting a promo backstage. And the whole time, you have the interviewer there. You have Rhea Ripley. You know, holding the title. She's cutting this promo the whole time. She's not looking at the interviewer. She's not looking at the camera. In fact, she barely even glanced at either. She's looking off screen. And her promo was coming off really dry, just as all the WWE promos do anymore, pretty much. And as I looked at Rhea Ripley, and not because of her, you know, amazing beauty, and she is beautiful. Um, although I don't like this new look for her. this goth thing. I'm not big, but you know, she's still an attractive woman. And as I gazed upon her and realized that her eyes really didn't seem to move much, it seemed like she was staring off into space. I realized, oh my gosh, is she fucking reading from a card? Did they have Rhea Ripley reading like someone standing off screen? Here's your promo. Are are you fucking serious? That sounded terrible. Another thing that sounded terrible was this new commentator they got. Holy moly, is this guy hokey. This guy sounds like he should be commentating Blue's Clues or something like that. This guy, I don't know if it's just first week jitters. Maybe he'll get better. This guy sucks. I don't even know his name. It's something it starts with an A, Verk or A, Aiden Verk or I don't know. Holy crap, this guy sucks. Jesus, where did they get this guy? I, dude, this guy, he sounds like he was made in a fucking factory. Like Vince McMahon has Michael Cole clones, you know, because remember Tom Phillips, which by the way, Tom Phillips might get cut because, uh, you know, we think about budget cuts. We think about the wrestlers, but there's probably going to be some budget cuts in terms of uh, just other talents, non-wrestling talents. Um, But shit, I mean, uh, this guy just, they must have a factory backs. I, I swear, because they had Tom Phillips, you know, he sounded like Michael Cole. He was like a Michael Cole clone. I wouldn't be surprised if Vince just has this factory somewhere down in the basement of Titan Towers right now, where he makes, he makes you know, beep, boop, beep, WWE Network, beep, boop, beep, WrestleMania moment, beep, boop, beep, oh my. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he has some kind of robot shit going on, some Westworld shit going on. Um... This new guy sucks. Um, what else happened? Oh, another thing on Raw. 
And and really, other than this, I, I just didn't care about it. these storylines coming out of WrestleMania suck. SmackDown will probably be a little bit better. I guys, I'm not gonna sit here and waste time talking about some of this stuff anymore. I'll talk about a lot more about the uh, um out of the ring stuff, off the show stuff, just the overall arcing narratives. But when it comes to the actual shows, I can't do it. I can't. I can't sit here and act like I'm excited for anything. It sucks. Alexa Bliss, now she's breaking away from The Fiend, I guess. And they always have these Alexa's Playground shit. And, you know, it's so lazy the way they shoot these. They they put her in this ring backstage with some fake turf in the ring. And they just put a swing set in there. The lighting sucks. It's not that creepy. Guys, this is WWE, a billion-dollar company. They've been shooting things the same way for years. You you can't tell me you can't make this look a little creepier or at least make it look, like, believable. Why would Alexa's character, who's supposed to be creepy now, and, like, this, this weird paranormal entity, or possessed or whatever, like... You're telling me that she's going to be like, oh, yeah, I want to go in a ring and do this. Guys, is it that hard for you to got for you to go find an abandoned warehouse somewhere? There's probably there's got to be one 20 minutes, at least within 20 minutes away from where they have the Thunderdome. You're telling me that you can't figure something out to the point where go to a random warehouse, set up something. If you have to rent the place, whatever. It's just, it's lazy. This is so lazy how they shoot this. It's like, yeah, it makes total sense for this creepy character to be in a wrestling ring doing this playground segment. If, if you're talking about, like, compare this to horror movies. Some of the worst horror movies out there have better aesthetics than this. It, this is garbage. Now, the content itself is okay. Alexa Bliss has done a great job in this role. I think she's, this is some of the best work she's done in years. But it's just, when you look, (laughs) oh my God, I said Alexa and Alexa went off. Alexa, shut up. Alexa, enough. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I heard a voice and I was like, what the hell? It's because I said the name. (laughs) That is great. That is amazing. (laughs) That is brilliant. That's brilliant. Anyway, this shit just sucks. This, it's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's lazy. (sighs) So I was on Twitter and, uh, <clears throat> shit, I was on Twitter and, uh, you know, I guess there was an article put out there that, uh, Triple H was a part of and Triple H says he was talking about some of NXT's match producers and some of the people that produce matches. Here's some of the names he dropped out there. Johnny Gargano, Ciampa. Candice, LeRae, Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, 
has done it. Uh, he, th- he says Finn Balor has an interest in it. Walter. And when I hear the name Gargano, match producer, no wonder NXT sucks. No wonder these matches are stupid. Because it's like, okay, you're going to do this flip, and then you're going to get hit with three super kicks, and then you're going to kick out of the pin. No wonder the, No wonder it's ridiculous. When Triple H is like, we always thought that it was Triple H, but honestly, no, maybe it's not Triple H ruining NXT. Maybe it's just that they're letting the, the fucking insane inmates run the asylum. Alexa, let's see if it happens again. Nope, didn't happen again. I don't know. That's so weird. That's so weird. Um, come on. Really, Triple H? I understand Triple H probably has a lot more of a role um, on, on like the main roster shows now. He might not have the time, but come on, dude. No wonder NXT sucks. No wonder. No wonder. Uh, what else do I got? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have... Um, I have to talk a little bit about AEW this week. Um, honestly, the show itself just, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. I, I, the show itself this week, I, th- I thought was just kind of, eh, um, the one thing I do have to say, and I have, I, I want to talk about the broken skull session. I haven't watched the whole thing yet with Jericho. I mean, the rating, AEW got a very good rating, um, which kind of makes me laugh because they got the 1.2 million, which is actually overachieving. I thought, I thought it would be over 1 million, but I didn't think 1.2 million. I mean, that's rivaling raw numbers, which is scary. Not, not a good look. And I know that there probably was some, uh, carryover publicity from the broken skull sessions. So we'll see what happens next week, but I know there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of NXT fans that are making excuses for this because NXT did not get a good number. People tried to make it out to be a good number, but it wasn't when they had their first show on their own on Tuesdays, 805,000, something like that. Really? That's all you could do? 805,000? That's not that great of a number considering, you know, Wednesday nights close to about 1.4 million people were watching wrestling on that night. You barely got over half of that audience. That's really sad. Really sad. And it just comes to show you that AEW, look, they got problems. They got big problems. And the show is pretty boring. But when it comes to some of the things they do, the techniques they use uh, of video production and everything and the way of storytelling, they're doing some fresh things. It is a fresher show. It's a much fresher product. And that's... That's where this is coming from, this number. Now, and you have these NXT fans making excuses. Oh, AEW only got that number because they got a rub from the Broken Skull Shane. Yeah, shut up. You're just butthurt because AEW fucking is better than NXT. Enough. These WWE, NXT, kiss asses out there that don't want to give AEW any sort of credit whatsoever. They don't want to give them any credit. AEW could put on the greatest segment of all time. Oh, this is stupid. They get a 1.2 million rating. Oh, they only got that because of Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was there last week. Jesus. Um, the show was okay this week with AEW. Um, Jay Cargill had a 
cool notch, I guess, with Red Velvet. It was all right, you know. A lot of stuff, just, you know, the Young Bucks opened up the show with a match with the Death Triangle. Took up, took up almost a half hour of the show. It took up almost 30 minutes of the beginning of the show. A match. Guys, no. Vince Russo said it. I, I have to watch the whole interview. Because I really want to see all of Vince Russo's thoughts. Vince Russo recently did an interview with Chris Van Valet, And, um... He was talking about like the matches are too long and he was, he was going through all these things about how they can improve AEW. And with the clips I saw, I agreed with him 100%. And I'm going to want, I want to watch the whole interview and I can maybe talk about it on here. Maybe next year, uh, next week will be like interview week or something. I do want to do my state of the WWE, but I want to let this kind of this whole release situation get out and then do my, you know, thing. But I agree. These matches are way too long. If you're trying to gain an audience, having long matches is not going to do it. These long matches are not going to earn you an audience. It's not going to happen. Having all these good, we do good wrestling matches. That doesn't do anything. That's not going to bring in an audience. That is not going to bring in an audience. And I know some of you, you're contradicting yourself because of 1.2 million. Guys, those are the same people watching Raw and SmackDown. They're the same people. And think about it this way too. You think about um, on Wednesday nights, when we were in the Wednesday night cat fight era, that's what I like to call it. Um, about 1.4 million people, 1.2, anywhere in there, in that range, were watching wrestling on, you know, a Wednesday night, one single night, a far cry from 10 million people back in the late nineties, um, on Monday nights, but 1.4 million, look at the raw ratings. Raw ratings are at 1.7. SmackDown, 2.1 maybe. So you're te- what you're telling me is that, and look, let's be real, most of the fans watching NXT and AEW are hardcore wrestling fans, and some many of them smarks. So you consider 1.4 million wrestling fans are smarks, that means only like point... Um, Math's really hard, guys. Math is hard. 0.7 million people. That means 700,000 people are casual fans. You're telling me only 700,000 casual fans? Let's round it up to a million because the numbers are just averages. You're telling me only a million a million uh, casual fans are watching Raw and SmackDown and AEW NXT? <sighs> wow. That must mean wrestling is in really bad shape. If you can only get a million casual fans, whew, that's bad. Um, the, Matt, this opening match was too long with the Young Bucks. It was fine, but you can't, you're going to bore the shit out of people that don't watch wrestling usually. Imagine you haven't watched wrestling for years and you hear about AEW and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm going to check out AEW because... Maybe this is something fresher than that WWE kitty crap now, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they sit down and watch it. And granted, they had the stuff with MJF and Mike Tyson. They had a little bit of a cold open and everything. But then once you get to that match, you're just sitting there going, oh my God, this is boring. Like it's just a bunch of fake wrestling. That's how people think. People don't like hearing that, but that's how people, that's how a lot of casuals think. Let me tell you something. I was watching WrestleMania this year with some casual fans 
uh, two in particular that, you know, they sometimes they they don't quite know when things are real and what's not. And it was interesting to watch WrestleMania with them because I was getting their insight from casual fans, people that, you know, they don't know about the wrestling moves and all that stuff. They don't know about how the matches worked and everything. It was really refreshing to hear that perspective because they were sitting there saying things like, I remember one of the matches are like, oh, well, this is kind of stupid. This small little guy is facing this bigger guy. And I couldn't believe I'm like, oh my God, this is what casual fans think. And then I look at Marco Stun on AEW and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so stupid. So, someone like Jungle Boy, this is so stupid. I was listening to so many different things that these two were saying, these casual fans. And I was like, oh my God, these are the people that we need to li- be listening to. These are the people that wrestling needs to listen to because they represent the casual audience. And and these were two people in particular that they were already WWE fans. They were already connected to the brand. Because let's be real, today, in today's world, wrestling, WWE is the brand. Pro wrestling is not the draw. It's not what's bringing people in. People hear WWE, and if they want to watch wrestling, they think WWE. Guarantee you, if you went out in the street and surveyed people and said, what's the first thing you think of when you think pro wrestling? Here's a lot of the answers that I would expect. I'd expect fake. I'd expect predetermined. For the, you know, so I don't hurt feelings. Uh, they might think Stone Cold, Rock, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, maybe. But then a lot of people are going to say, if I ask them, well, what, what organization do you think of? WWE. Brand. WWE is the draw. You know, a lot of these wrestlers today in wrestling are not draws at all. They don't draw anyone into the product at all. It, it's wrestling itself. For the hardcore fans, that's the draw. And for casual fans, it's WWE. It's the WWE name. WrestleMania itself is the draw. Having Logan Paul there, yeah, probably was potentially a draw for them. But at the end of the day, look, I've said this before. These celebrities and legends coming back in, it's just a temporary band-aid at this point. It's like getting a big cut on your arm that's really deep and it needs stitches but you just say, here, I'll put a ban- I'll put a little SpongeBob SquarePants Band-Aid on it and call it a day. That's all it is. You're not fixing the problem. You're just covering it up temporarily, okay? Having Bad Bunny come in, Logan Paul, they bring in an audience. Sure, they probably do. But at the end of the day, the show itself is still not good at all. It's like opening a restaurant. And for the grand opening, you have Robert Downey Jr. as a guest and people can come in, they get a meal, they pay for the meal. As long as they pay for a meal, now this wouldn't happen, but they get a free autograph and a meet and greet with Robert Downey Jr. Okay. This would never happen, but let's just say hypothetically, they go in as long as they buy food, you know, okay. They go in and eat their meal and they meet Robert Downey Jr. Publicity, big time. But here's the problem. The restaurant is not going to maintain that business if the food sucks. They People might have gone there once and, well, ew, the food sucks, but we got to meet Robert Downey Jr. But then the next time that they want to go there, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be there and they don't want to eat the bad food again. That's the analogy I'm trying to give. 
That's what it is with WWE right now with the celeb bringing these celebrities in. It's a temporary solution. People are coming in. Maybe some new people are coming in and watching the shows and AEW, same thing with Shaq, same thing. Some new people are watching the product, but then they see the rest of the show and it sucks. So they're like, I'm out of here. That's what it is. That's the big problem. I got off topic there, like really off topic. Um, I don't even remember. It's something about the long matches. Uh, yeah, the matches are too long. AEW this week was just, eh, whatever. Jade Cargill. Um, I, I just skimmed through the show. I, I, I think I even said last week, I was really honest. Like I skimmed through the shows anymore. It's boring. Like, it's just so boring guys. I, I can't do it anymore. I'd rather talk about the outside of the ring stuff, the news, than talk about the shows. I'm not here to review. I'm not here to be like some people. Oh, Raw emanated this week from Indianapolis. No, fuck that. Like, it's just this, this shit's not worth the time. The product itself is not worth the fucking time. It's not worth it. I watch because the, the shows that I watch, I watch AEW, SmackDown Raw. It takes me about a total of maybe an hour at the most to watch all three shows. And that's being generous, really generous. Uh, anything about a else about AEW? Um, I mean, I talked about the rating, talked about that opening match, just not a lot of memorable stuff. And Darby Allen still with that title, the TNT title. Sure. Yeah. I want to watch this little midget guy. You know, I'm talking about what those casual fans were saying. Casual fans, their perspective matters. Like, I'm tired of this idea that, um, oh, people say stuff about wrestling. Oh, well, you don't understand wrestling. Well, th- th- you don't have to. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't, people don't need to understand what's going on in the ring to, to like the show. You know, people back in the Attitude Era, do you think a lot of the fans back in the Attitude Era was sitting there going, oh, that was great work rate by Stone Cold. He just thought that. No, they were like, Stone Cold's cool. Hell yeah. I want to drink a beer with him. That's what it was. It was fun. You didn't have to sit there and, and oh, what a technical wrestling maneuver by Ken Shamrock. You know, it's not how it was. But it's frustrating, man. And then you get like, you know, WWE does hire some high, you know, writers and producers from other television shows, but then their ideas get all ripped up. There's been plenty of stories where producers and writers had great ideas for storylines that were more, you know, contemporary and modern. Nope. Have to go back to the old shit. And that is something that it's Vince's fault in some ways. Um, And then you get into Triple H and Stephanie and boy, it gets worse. It's just, they might as well not even have writers anymore. It's ridiculous. Honestly, wrestling, we need to have, we need to have more non-wrestling personnel running these wrestling shows. We need, like, here's how I say it. When it comes to the matches, the actual, and by the way, I kind of want to start calling these matches fight scenes because once again, I keep saying You got to treat wrestling like a television program because that's what it is. It is a television program. When you go see it, you know, in a fire hall or a sports complex, it's live theater. That's what it is. It's like community theater. And um, I'm going to start calling these matches 
fight scenes. Fight scenes. They're fight scenes. Action scenes. It's what they are. It's sports entertainment. It's a television show. Uh, you know, Drew McIntyre and Lashley at WrestleMania, they had a good fight scene. There it is. I'm not going to call them matches anymore. Fight scenes. Action scenes, fight scenes. I'll, I'll switch back and forth between the two. <sighs> Something like that. But they need more, like, the wrestling guys, the people that have been in the business, have them write the matches themselves. Yes, you need them because they under they need to, you know, there needs to be an understanding of how wrestling works. That's still important. But when it comes to the storylines outside of the ring and the conflicts, why these people are um, fighting and all that stuff, that's where that's where the television writers should be writing the shows. They should be writing the storylines. They should be, you know, constructing the narrative and they should be controlling, hey, let's go over to this abandoned warehouse and shoot this scene or something like that. That's what should be happening. But obviously it's not happening. AEW does a little bit more of it than anybody else. But, you know, I said, like I said, Lucha Underground, it wasn't that great. But the idea behind what Lucha Underground was doing, it was revolutionary. And that's the direction I think Lucha Underground should be going or, or that wrestling should be going. All right, guys, I'm done talking about wrestling this week. I'm through with it. Next week, hopefully, we'll talk about the Vince Russo interview with Chris Van Valet. It'll be a little outdated, but whatever. And then I also want to talk about the Broken Skull session with Chris Jericho. But now I'm finally getting into some music talk. Thank God. Hope you guys enjoyed the wrestling talk. But um, I know some people might tune out at this point. They're not talking about wrestling anymore. He's not talking about wrestling. I don't want to hear about Evanescence because I only like wrestling because I'm a nerd. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm just getting really fed up with wrestling. I I don't mean to go at people that only like wrestling. It's it's not it's not mean spirit or anything. But it's like guys can just oh my god. Like I listen to wrestling podcasts, uh, other wrestling podcasts. I listen to Don Tony. I listen to uh, Wrestling Soup. I listen to Solid Monster Stuff. You know, but I feel like half the time when I'm listening to them, and this isn't a knock on them at all, actually. I'd rather listen to them talk about other things than wrestling, like especially wrestling soup. Like they'll go, they'll start talking about other stuff other than wrestling. And that's my favorite part of their shows is when they're talking about other stuff. Recently, um, recently Don, Tony and Mish did an episode of breakfast soup, which is for Patreon, Patreon listeners. And they were talking about NFTs and I didn't know what an NFT was. I didn't quite understand the concept. They talked about it for a whole 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And it was really interesting. And I was like, wow, this is really good stuff, guys. Like that's how bad wrestling is. We don't even want to hear people talk about wrestling. We always say about how people talking about wrestling is more entertainment than the, than the actual shows. But now it's like people that talk about wrestling. I'd rather hear them talk about other stuff. (laughs) Anyway, Evanescence is the bigger truth, the bitter, the bitter truth. Now, when I do music reviews, I am not going to do the old tired thing of like, Evanescence is a band from blah, 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 blah. They started as a band in 2000. No, it's boring. I I just talk about the album. Okay. Let's talk about Evanescence. I don't need to talk about their, look, Evanescence, I've been a fan of them for years. Um, They're, I mean... 
going under, not going under, was it, the first album was called, what was the first album called, it wasn't called going under, <laughs> shit, what was the, free, fuck, why can't I think of the name of their first album, first album was good, uh, Open Door was pretty good, that, like, their first three albums were, were, you know, good, um, they did that synthesis album, and it was interesting, it was a reimagination of a lot of their big songs, um, it was interesting to say the least, not my favorite thing they've ever done, but, and I actually saw them live, uh, on that tour. I saw them live when they, um, did their like orchestral stuff. And it was weird because I, it's like, it's not what you expected, but I'm telling you, Amy Lee live, one of the best live singers I've ever heard in my life. Straight up. I was utterly impressed. It literally sounded like she was on the record. She sounded just as good as she did on the record, if not better. Um, so that was an interesting thing. But for a long time, I wanted to see, look, let's get some new music out. I want to I want to hear what you got now. It had been so long and there had been some lineup changes for the band. And that was, you know, kind of that, that kind of sucked. Cause it kind of, I think it, it, it kind of delayed, um, it delayed some of the work that they did. And then of course the pandemic delayed it even more. So we finally got this new album, the bitter truth. And overall, if I wanted to give an overall idea of how I felt about this album, it is, it was pretty safe for the most part. They took some risks where they needed to. And if you're an Evanescence fan and you've enjoyed their music up to this point, I think you're really going to enjoy this. There are, there are some new things that they tried on this album that were fun and they paid off. This album really doesn't miss much at all. That's the one thing I have to say is that it doesn't necessarily miss, um, it doesn't excel anywhere in particularly um, other than maybe one or two songs that are like, I think are very good, uh, but it's solid. It's a solid album. This isn't going to blow you away, but it's very enjoyable either way. It's a good, solid comeback album. The best way I can describe it, if I want to compare it, to Disturb's comeback album, Immortalized. It's very much like that in the in the way of they 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 gave fans what they expected to hear from this band. Also adding a little bit of tinges here and there. This is this could be a situation where Evanescence just needed to reintroduce themselves to the world and say, "Hey, we're still here. We're making this music." but they don't want to go too far out of line. I think as this band moves on now, like the next record they make will probably take more risks and will change the sound a little bit more. Um, so I think this was more of a safe album, not the most ambitious thing, but still solid. It's still really enjoyable. Um, I don't want to compare it to earlier albums. It's not fair because times have changed. You know, music has changed. And in some cases on this album, they changed with it. 
Um, this album is very well paced. I have to say that this album does not get boring. There's changes in tone, changes in mood, changes in timbre. As soon as you're getting used to one style of song and one style of progression, then it goes into a song where, okay, we're changing the mood here a little bit. We're changing the pace a little bit. Very well paced album. Track placement was on point. I really liked that. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, my only crit, one of my mainest main criticisms of this album is Amy Lee's vocals tend to get buried within the mix. It seems like more emphasis was put on the instruments than Amy Lee's voice sometimes. And that's a problem because Amy Lee is an exceptional vocalist, exceptional, legendary at this point. That's almost like, that's almost like burying Lizzie Hale's voice. Okay. Lizzie Hale, Hale Storm, I'm not the biggest fan of, um, but Lizzie Hale's a great vocalist. And that's almost like bringing up all the instruments and then Lizzie Hale's in the background. Love by hearts, but so do I, you know, and that's kind of how it feels with Amy Lee in this album a little bit. And that's not on Amy Lee. That, that's just on the production of the album. That's on the mixing mastering part of it. Amy Lee, it feels like is sometimes in this album, she's kind of, it's like she's singing from the back, like, you know, wasted on you. I'm looking for a miracle. Like she's trying to over and, you know, but her, once again, for what you can hear of Amy Lee's vocals, she sounds fantastic. And do I expect anything less? No, she's Amy Lee is an amazing vocalist. And even the rest of the band, um, I, I, I see or I hear some improvements with this band as well. Um, the drummer, uh, there are some different drumming takes that I hear on this album that I'll get into that are really interesting, <laughs> different drum approaches. Uh, the guitarist is pretty good. She really doesn't get um, the, the, the guitar work doesn't get a lot of room to, to wiggle. It's, it's pretty stock in some place in a lot of places, but there are some highlights here and there. Um, so good stuff there. Overall, the band sounds pretty damn good. Now, if I want to go track by track, I don't, and I do not go through all the tracks. Um, when I do music reviews, I pick out some of my favorites, you know, the highlights, uh, the game is over. I really wish that bridge riff that like, I wish that would have been the main riff of this. That's a riff that I feel like it has a nice groove to it, to where people want to hear that again. And while I'm glad they didn't overdo it, I just wish we would have heard that a little bit more. Um, let's put it this way. I wish we would have heard it maybe twice. I'm going to give you a song that has that. Okay. For example, a song that kind of uses a, like a progression only twice and it really works. Listen to the song, um, ghosts of days gone by by alter bridge, the bridge riff when they're, when he's saying, I don't want to die. And it's like, that plays in the bridge. And then it also ends the song. I kind of would have liked that riff to end this song, like the bridge riff 
it would have been cool if they ended the song like that. Kind of giving a little bit of a bookend effect. Um, I just wanted to hear that riff a little bit more. That's just my person. That's just my personal preference. And I talked about the drums. I really like the drum approach with this. This was more, this was not just your typical, let's hit the bass, let's hit the bass drum and the snare drum and add some cymbals. There was a lot of Tom work, floor Tom work here in the chorus, which is actually unusual in some ways. I really liked the game is over. It's an interesting approach to a song. Yeah. Right. Is one of those songs in this album where, like I said, this album's well paced. The track placement was good. This track is placed really well. Um, this changes the mood of the album a little bit because the album kind of starts off like a normal Evanescence album would dark Gothic, but then this kind of, this has a little bit more attitude to it lyrically and also musically. I love, this is actually one of my favorite songs on, on the album, a lot more attitude, very interesting, some sarcasm in there. Uh, it's a nice step away from what we usually hear, um, from Evanescence. And I could imagine this kind of, if you, t- if you stripped away some of the guitar elements and the rock element of this, I can imagine this being a pop song. It's almost written like a pop song. And as a rock song, it works pretty well too, which adds to it. Wasted on you is classic Evanescence. Um, this was their single, the first one that they released during the pandemic. It was a refreshing song. Uh, definitely, uh, I mean, definitely one of the best Evanescence songs that's come out in quite a while. And even, I'm even saying that not in the last 10 years, but just in general, um, it's, it's good. One of their more complex songs too, Amy Lee took a lot of care and the band, they really tried some compositional, different compositional techniques with this one. And it pays off. It's it's catchy as hell. It it has. It, I guess you could say it's almost arranged in some way. Like, call me when you're sober. Starting off with that piano part and then breaking into the rest of the song. It has a nice build to it, building up to that. Bah, 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 bah. That's nice. Um, obviously a highlight. Better without you. You've probably heard this if you have Sirius XM. This has gotten a lot of Sirius XM, like Octane type play. And rightfully so. I love the thick riffs in the song. This was, I think, I would, I don't say it's one of the first ones, but it's, it's, I'd say it's one of the only songs on this album that really has that new modern age sound to it. Like the guitar, the guitar tone really drives home the fact that this is a new rock song because let's be real. A lot of the stuff on here, like I said, like a song like wasted on you doesn't have much of a new tinge on it. It's very classic Evanescence. And that's what a lot of this album is. Hence why I say, if you're an Evanescence fan, you're really going to like this album. Um, and that's not a bad thing at all. I don't want to make people think, Oh, they just did their, they played it safe. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. You got to kind of play it safe when you're releasing your first album for over 10 years, you know? So it was a good approach. I also like the drums, uh, in the, um, the drum approach in the, in the chorus and everything get a little bit of that ride and that bell, uh, put in there, which was really nice. It's just like some of the different approaches of drum playing and drum arrangement. I I really liked in this album, the drums are are an instrument that 
I'm still learning because I liked, I'm trying to get to the point where I'm writing my own music and recording it. Um, I've done some experimenting and one thing that I struggle with is drums. I just can't grasp the concept around it. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to understand what sounds good sonically and, and how to arrange the instrument, all the different drum parts in the drum kit. Um, I struggle with it. So hearing a song like this and game is over helps me a lot to understand, Oh, this is an interesting approach. This is a little bit unconventional. So I liked that. Use my voice. Another, another song that has a modern approach and is, is more of a pop song. Um, you know, Whoa, Whoa, that's yeah, that's definitely got a modern thing to it. Um, a good anthem for women. This is about, I believe about sexual harassment and things, you know, kind of like the me too movement. Uh, all of that. Don't you speak for me? Powerful lyrics. Um, the one thing I like about this is that Amy Lee's vocals really get to shine on this track. You can tell that there was (laughs) no pun intended. Hey, use my voice, you know, like, push my voice out there. Like you could really hear her nice and clear, uh, in this song. So that was a nice one. Part of me. I love the groove, uh, the, the groove in this song, the guitar work is great. (laughs) Song carries on really well. Blind belief guys. (sighs) This, this song was sexy as fuck. This song is like, Oh God, this is an orgasm for me. I love the way this song starts kind of starts similar to end of a dream, end of the dream. It's really dark. The The guitar work, I feel like it, they were able to play with it a little bit more. This was the song I was waiting to hear. When I heard this song at the end of this track, blind belief, I was like, damn it. Where was this? The whole album. Oh, it was, it just hit just right for me. It was just like, Ooh, you know, damn, it hit so good for me. It was like sex. Um, this is such a good track. This is my favorite. I think this is my favorite on the album. One of my favorite Evanescence songs in years. Um, damn, it just, it hit the right notes for me. Um, it just has this really melancholy, dark, almost sad, like end of the world. I'm in a dark place. I'm at my wits end type feel to, ah, so good. They, they, this was done. This song for me was done masterfully, absolutely masterfully. Um, really enjoyed this one and it really left me wanting more. And I think once again, you look at track placement on this album, putting the song here, meant something. It made me want more. It, it got a reaction out of me. Oh, please do more of this on the next album. That's what it did. But Evanescence, a decent return to the music world. So I got to give them props. After all these years, we got a pretty good album. Now, granted, Um, these are songs that I really feel probably have been worked on very diligently because they've had a lot of more time. I think a lot more care was put into these tracks. Um, if they start getting on a normal album release cycle more often, uh, more album releases, it's very likely 
that we may hear a little bit less care put into it. It's just, that's what happens when you start releasing albums more often. You look at a band like Five Finger Death Punch, they seem to come out with albums pretty frequently. So maybe less care is put into some stuff, you know, the details. So we'll see how this band, I'm looking forward to the next album, just just for that song alone and a couple other moments because I'm just interested to see what this band does. Um, Amy Lee is, you know, she's obviously open to trying some new things. Obviously, with that synthesis album and those all of those grand or orchestral elements that she added to those songs. And really, some of those I know now, now I'm like I'm reviewing synthesis more than I am uh, Bitter Truth. But that album, honestly, some of the reimaginations of those songs, they sounded better than the originals, which was interesting, but uh I wouldn't mind them maybe doing that with some of these songs. Maybe add them to the mix, but solid comeback. Like I said, doesn't blow me away. I'm not sitting here going to praise it like, oh my gosh, it was amazing, but it's solid. This is what people have been waiting for and they gave it, you know? There's nothing wrong with giving people what they expect at the end of the day. I look at a band like Breaking Benjamin. Breaking Benjamin, (laughs) they've been doing the same sound for years. They have a formula, but it works. And honestly, I like Breaking Benjamin. They they just continue to do what they do, and that's what their fans want, and they give it to them. Why, if it's not broke, don't fix it, you know? You have Breaking Benjamin, who does that well. Evanescence, who does it well. And then you have ACDC, who does not do that well, in my opinion. I think ACDC is massively overrated. Every song sounds the same. <laughs> you want to talk about a band and every song sounds the same. If you've heard one ACDC song, you've heard them all. If you learn how to play one ACDC song, you can play the rest. It's the same thing. <laughs> so anyway, guys, that's going to conclude this week's episode of Hot Tags and Headbang. Make sure to hit me up on social media. I am really putting an effort in to up the ante with my content and try to get more out there because... Recently, I mentioned earlier, I've I started a new job, new schedule. I, you know, I'm still adjusting to, you know, when I can do things and, you know, timing. I'm still adjusting, but I really am making a concerted effort to get more content out there because I really want to get back in the game. But I promise you guys, there's going to be more coming content, uh, all sorts of stuff. So. You guys take care. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you guys enjoy SmackDown. And, uh, I guess. I mean, if you can enjoy it, whatever. Enjoy. If you haven't listened to Evanescence's new album, go give it a listen. I think it's very worth the listen. A couple of songs on there that I think you're really going to enjoy. So, you guys take care. And as always, you guys, stay dashing. Yeah. <laughs>